Let's go. Building up to the new season. The clock is ticking until the new season begins. This is the Go Radio Football Show. That's right, we're nine days away from the start of the brand new domestic campaign here in Scotland, but there's plenty to talk about this evening. I'm Joe Hendry and I'm joined by former Rangers and Australia defender Craig Moore. Craig, how are you this evening? Very well, Joe. What a lovely evening it is. Oh, it's absolutely uh, unreal. It's like being back home for you. I feel as if I'm back in Oz. <laughs> Plenty to talk about, like I say, tonight. Let's get started with it. The news that broke after the guys came off air last night, and that's the departure of Chris Ayer from Celtic. It's not unexpected. Craig, he said he wanted to go. He's off to Premier League newcomers Brentford. Yeah, and I believe it's a signing record, transfer record for, for Brentford. Um, look, Ayer... You know, there was a lot of talk about him moving on uh, from Celtic. So this this seems to be a good fit for for all parties. Uh, I think in terms of transfer value, uh, that's a really good bit of business for Celtic. They certainly didn't spend a lot on him in terms of coming to the football club to sell him for $13.5 million, uh, for the player to now go on to, to the next level. But I think more importantly for Celtic, again, understanding where they are moving forward in terms of and they're not going to play now. Is he going to leave it's done. Business is done. They can move on and move forward. And in terms of Chris Ayer's legacy as well, you know, he leaves as part of that quadruple treble winning mm. squad. And like you say, the business in terms of, I think he was purchased for around half a million. He goes out for 13.5. You know, it's, it's a good bit of business. That's great business, isn't it? I mean, that's... And look, Celtic have done that for, for a number of years. A lot of clubs do have that business model. Uh, but Ayer was, um, for me, a very, very good player for Celtic. Um, he'll be remembered uh, for obviously uh, a lot of success at the football club and, and and I think a lot of people will still continue to to follow him on, on his journey I think at 22-23 there's still a lot of uh, opportunity and football ahead for him but like I said at the end of the day it's it's fantastic business and, and it's something that Celtic not only with Ayer but they, they've also done previously and it makes a lot of sense and like you say he is still young he obviously wants to go on and, and try and test himself in the Premier League you know he when he came to Scotland he went out on loan to Kilmarnock and he he mm. worked hard to actually get into that Celtic team and uh, like you say is left with with a lot of silverware that's for sure he also I noticed um, in his departure he put out an Instagram post and that was mm. something that I picked up on and was that he singled out John Kennedy yes. and he said without John Kennedy Celtic wouldn't have won the quadruple treble John Kennedy has become someone who's become quite a sort of divisive character in among Celtic fans I think recently it's fair to say but it was good to see a player actually come out and back him up yeah, look, I think the the unfortunate thing for for John Kennedy Kennedy and also Strachan to a, to a certain degree is because last season was such a poor season, um, that kind of there's a I think the, the large part of the Celtic support feel as if like changes need to be made and and, and everyone needs to kind of go to clear the decks. Uh, but look, anybody that you speak to, uh, and and Aya kind of confirms it here in terms of John Kennedy, in terms of what a a role he has played at Celtic Football Club that he is a, a really good person. More importantly, he's a wonderful coach. So, look, no surprise, but but again, it's just it's one of those ones where it's a bit of a tough situation for John Kennedy and Strachan because it's still a lot of talk about Ange Postacoglu. Is he going to bring in his own staff? But I think A.O. has just confirmed that John Kennedy has done a fantastic job, and if his future is elsewhere, he still, again, has done a fantastic job at Celtic Football Club. Now, no sooner was Chris Ayer gone as Carol Starfelt was announced. Mm -hmm. um, Swedish defender, he's on a on a four-year deal. How much? How how excited should Celtic fans be about Starfelt? 
Well, they should be very excited. Uh, you know, playing in the, in the Russian Premier League is certainly a, a very, very tough league and a, and a high standard. Um, and therefore, that transition to, uh, to Scotland, um, certainly the weather, um, you know, is something they would have experienced in Russia, the, the, the cold and what have you. But look, he's the experience, I think, that, that Ange Postacoglu was looking for in, in terms of the squad. Uh, there was a lot of chit-chat uh, early doors about Vuskovic at 19-year-old, whereas Starfield comes in as a 26-year-old, good experience, um, has travelled, uh, and therefore, uh, I think, you know, Ange felt that he's the player that can come in and, and replace Aya uh, and, and be a leader. Um, and hopefully, there's, you know, a few more players will come in um, before the end of the, the transfer deadline and offer that, that stability, but more importantly, that improvement that Ange is looking for. And on the subject of new signings as well, um, Furuhashi, we know it will be. We probably mm. won't see him for a few weeks yet due to travel restrictions, etc. Yes. Leah Labada, who of course came in, scored on his debut against Mitchell. And just more generally, first of all, mm. how did you feel about that, the performance in the one-all draw against Mitchell on Tuesday? Hey, look, I think in the end, um, the performance the performance worked. Uh, for Angie, he would have been quite happy with that. There's certainly parts of the game. I mean... The initial start of the game was stop-start. It was a couple of head knocks, which kind of affected the flow of the game. But then Celtic definitely grew into the match. I think Soto then started to have an influence. Christie, obviously, with an effort off the post. Uh, Abada showing um, some real positive positivity, getting in behind, knocking good bo uh, balls into the box and eventually getting his goal. Um, in a game that he wasn't even really meant to be starting. The start only come that, that surprise debut came on the back of some injuries in the wide areas for Celtic. Um, so look in the end 1-1 one, one, you're a little bit disappointed because Celtic were definitely the better side they hit the post McGregor hit the crossbar in the second half Edward had a great chance one-on-one -on -one, um, but they'll still certainly go across um, hoping that uh, they're good enough to get through this tie and interestingly, post-match Ange Postacoglu took ownership and said they, you know, they weren't as prepared as they might like to have been going in going into the game. Mm -hmm. Is that quite characteristic of him? Would you say in mm -hmm. terms of protecting his players? Yeah, look, Ange is the type of manager that he will, um, you know, take responsibility. Uh, he will protect the players. Uh, and again, he's, you know, very determined to um, to put his style of football across to the team. And that takes time. I, I think that um, majority of the Celtic supporters have, have been very, very happy in terms of the way Ange has ha handled himself with the media, in terms of um, that directness, that belief in terms of, you know, changing... Uh, the style of football for Celtic, that does take time. And I think people are buying into that. I know that, um, you know, at the moment, there's still a lot of unrest in terms of sitting with the club, in terms of business not being done quick enough. We, we heard that post-match, didn't we? Even from Ange Postacoglu. So at the moment, there, there still needs to be improvements off the field. But certainly in regards to on the field and the players, um, Ange Postacoglu is somebody that does protect his players. We have Simon from Fitzbean Pod Podcast waiting patiently on the phone for us. Simon, are you there? I am indeed. I am. How are you doing tonight, Simon? You good? I'm sat my pad one pool with a wee beer, so... Oh, happy, <laughs> happy days. Oh, that sounds perfect. Now, you've obviously heard Craig and I talking this evening um, about Celtic so far. What what ha what were your thoughts sort of post-match just uh, on the, the performance that you've seen against Mitchell? Were you, were you pleased with what you saw or were you pleasantly surprised? Yeah, I was. Um, all things considered, for a 1-1 draw and a home uh, Champions League qualifier... If you'd have told me 12 months ago before the away rule 
uh, was was taken out of the equation that I'd be excited after a 1-1 draw at home in a qualifier. Um, I wouldn't have believed you, but given everything that's happened, I just think the, the reaction to it, um, the way the players played, the ownership of the manager after the game as well is something that's probably been lacking um, in the last uh, year or so um, under Lennon. So, um, yeah, I was actually quite pleased with the, the performance. I think, as Craig said there, it was a bit stop-start in the start with a few injuries. Um, moment of madness from Beaton as well, but I was really, really impressed with how the players uh, managed to organise themselves. And I think Postecoglou said that after the game as well. They, they were down uh, a man for a large portion of that game and that same group of players last year, I, I wouldn't have seen them get through that without conceding a couple of goals. So, um, yeah, I'm quite confident going into next week and I was I was quite happy with what I saw on the pitch and what I heard after it as well. So, Simon, just in terms of you saying what you what you saw there as a as a fan, like, was there any clear change for you in terms of the, the way that Ange Postacoglu has this team set up to play now um, to, to maybe what, what was happening last season? Was there any uh, clear differences for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in terms of how um, direct that we are and I saw a few people comment about Edward's chance and that he missed it and a, a few Celtic fans were suggesting that his mind might be elsewhere but I was probably on the opposite end of it. I think Edward has been uh, quite, I don't want to speak for him obviously, I don't know the guy but um, I think he's probably quite impressed with the way um, that Ange wants to attack mm-hmm. and you saw that and even you, you alluded to it earlier about Abada and that cross they put in on the counter-attack and I think Celtic are just so... They, I mean, this is only a couple of weeks into Ange having a few training sessions and we already look so sharp, quick uh, going forward. And uh, McGregor actually had... A, you know, he hit the bar, but yep. he had another chance as well. And both those chances, David Turnbull's essentially a free man at the back post. And yep. that will come with a bit more work. But um, last year, it was very... It was so predictable. Teams mm-hmm. could come to Celtic Park, sit in, and they know that we'd just put it side to side and wait for something to happen, but nothing would happen. Um, but we've changed the way we play um, the full backs coming in uh, into the central role when we're in possession uh, and pushing the central mid forward it gives us a lot more uh, a lot more options going forward as well and again I think that will come but yeah we, we were a lot more direct and I think that was what the most frustrating thing most frustrating thing was last year um, especially some of the games that we drew or lost at Celtic Park you're hoping for us to go forward and think Celtic in past years would have gone on and got you know another mm-hmm. chance but that, that other chance never came and it feels that under Ange regardless of what situation we're in we'll have that chance so it's uh, it just feels a bit better overall yeah Mate I've got, I've got to ask you about the goalkeeper situation um, Barkas obviously uh, on the back of last season uh, has probably had a little bit of work to do to try and convince uh, the Celtic supporters that he's good enough Um has he done that in this particular match or does that just put a lot more doubt into this particular position? Um, obviously, you, you know, you've got Bain and, and, and Azard as, as backup, but if it's not Barkas, uh, a Celtic sitting with a potential number one there or is that a concern for you? I think it's a slight concern uh, for myself. I know a lot of fans are very concerned about it. I was actually... Um, in terms of that, the goal that we conceded, I think he's just been caught in two minds and that comes down to confidence. And I think there's a lot of Celtic fans that want Barkas to succeed because it all does seem to come down to confidence. But, um, I mean, I was talking to my mates about this. That was the first game, I think it was the first game that Barkas played the fans um, in a competitive game for Celtic, which probably for a guy who started his Celtic career who was getting dropped for a guy who was in the under-21s and then chopped and changed all the time. I didn't know if he was coming or going and then he's had bad performances on top of that. Without having the fans there, 
the fans could have maybe, you know, cheered them on a wee bit and that might have changed things. So I don't know if with the fans coming back he might, you know, he might he might feel a bit more confident. But overall, um, with how he's performing and that lack of confidence, I think he's I think there's a goalkeeper in there. So mm-hmm. obviously played at international level, he's he's proven that. Um however, um given the performance of the night and that goal, we simply can't have that going forward for, for these kind of big games, old firms, whatever it may be, Europe. So um I think, you know, I don't think Fraser Forster's the option. I don't think Scott Bain's the option or, or Connor Hazard. I think they need to think outside the box or, you know, have a look and see what they can get in. But I would certainly suggest a new goalkeeper. Um, would, at least to put a bit of pressure on Barkas as well. Because I think, with no disrespect to them, he probably looks at Bain and Hazard and thinks he's better than them and might know he's better than them. Um, so he might not actually feel the pressure to go on and, and make a claim for that for that number one jersey. Simon, if I could just take you back to a, a, a comment you made there about a, a moment of madness from near Beaton. As we know now, he um, he was sent off after receiving a second yellow card. Just before we get your thoughts on that, let's hear what Celtic manager Ange Postacoglu had to say. No, I think, as I said, he's uh, he'd already been booked. So when you're already booked, you got to be really careful. And uh, I didn't have a great view of it, but obviously it gives the referee the opportunity if there's another infringement to, to pull out another yellow card. So soon after going 1-0 up as well, Craig, and, and I was interested to ask you to what how would Ange Postacoglu react in that kind of situation? Is he the type of manager that would go through near Beton in the dressing room or will it the be hair yeah, the <laughs> Or you know, will it be a meeting in the office the next morning? You know, how how would he deal with that? Yeah, now nah, look, Andrew's style is not is not to uh, to single out uh, near Beton in the dressing room directly after the game. Um that's not his style. Um, there, there would have been a conversation possibly the, the following day when everything is kind of settled. Um, it was a moment of madness. There was a little bit of, um, you know, play acting on the, on the part uh, of the FC Michelin player. Um, the, the thing for me uh, was that this situation, uh, and again, let's not get away from it, Bitton should have handled it completely differently. He's on a yellow card, so he was asking, asking for trouble. But the player was... A good two metres offside, standing right in front of the uh, the linesman. I don't feel as if there's any need to let the the game go on. It's an obvious offside. So if that flag goes up, offside is given straight away. There is no incident. Um, that's just another another thing that I kind of seen. It was highlighted, obviously, you know, during the the footage as well. Simon, I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I, I think it was a clear offside. The rest of the linesman, you even see himself. He kind of takes a bit of a step back as well. I think he was, because the, the player was right in front of him, I think he's just been a bit caught off guard, really. But in terms of Beton's reaction, um, I think Beton, obviously, Ange will have had a, a word with him at some point, And Ange kind of seems as if he wasn't, obviously, he was probably you know, bothered by it, but it's not as if he's, uh, you know, made any rash decision about Beton's future off the back of it. But I think the biggest concern for Beton would be the fact that he was next to. Uh, Stephen Welsh, who I thought was tremendous, and yep. then another young player in Dane Murray comes in and has an absolute tremendous game as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that those two played so well, Julian's due to come back and start out, just come in. I think Beton's got bigger, bigger, uh, bigger worries on the horizon than the the red card, which it was a moment of madness, and I think he'll, you know, he put an apology after it, but. He's he's done that before. He did it at Ibrox last year. He's done it in in mm-hmm. Europe for Celtic against Ajax. Um, it's it's unfortunately it's common, and I think that's just down to the fact that he is a midfielder. So um, I'd be happy for him. I think he could probably be a squad player and a squad option for Celtic in midfield. But I think as as good as he can be at the back, and as much as we bring to that progressive 
um, style that Ange would want at the back. I just think that it's too much of a risk, especially in those big games. Just before I let you go as well, Simon, there was one more thing that, that stuck out to me in post-match, and that was when Ange Postacoglu said he, he didn't pay much attention to the referee's performance when he was asked about that second yellow which isn't a phrase you'll often hear in Scotland when a manager is asked um, about a referee's performance. Was it how refreshing, or, you know, I, I certainly found it quite refreshing to, to hear a manager focus solely on the team's performance when given the opportunity to perhaps deflect? Yeah, Joe, you're absolutely right. I think the, I think a lot of Celtic fans were quite happy with the post-match comments. You, not to kind of uh, cast stones here, but Neil Lennon would have absolutely thrown Barkas under, under a bus after the game, he would have mentioned that, he would have mentioned the card, he would have been making excuses. Ange came out and took responsibility for it and said, we'll not be that underprepared again, that's on me. And, you know, he didn't make excuses. He could have come out and a lot of managers would have done that. And it's not just Lennon, a lot of managers would have come out that top managers would have said, well, there's a red card for a large portion of the game and we had our chances and on another night and the rest of it. And he didn't do that, which... Um, it is just so refreshing. I know he was asked a few other questions about finances and stuff, and mm. even at that, it, it was just—it's not the same usual answers you get. So it was very refreshing because last year was um, sometimes you felt as if you would be better just hitting your head off the wall rather than listening to Lennon's post-match comments. So um, it's—it uh, was extremely refreshing. And again, I think um, there's just a new there's a new era about the club just now. And obviously, it's premature. Don't want to make too many assumptions, but. Um, early signs are it's uh, it's certainly improving Simon us Australians we're a little bit different mate aren't we <laughs> just a wee bit yeah I was in a few years ago and I found that out yeah <laughs> Simon thank you so much great to hear from you as always and we'll be right back after this The Go Radio Football Show talking football first listen live weeknights from five Welcome back to the Go Radio Football Show with me, Joe Hendry. I'm joined this evening by former Rangers defender Craig Moore. You were at Ibrox for the game at the weekend, Craig, against Arsenal. That ended in a 2-0 draw. Ten changes in the second half. Mm. How good an opportunity was that to see where everyone's at just now? Yeah, that no, was a great opportunity. It was Look, it was a wonderful day for, for a game of football. Um, in the end, uh, I think, you know, Rangers, apart from... Uh, a slight injury concern with, with Jermaine Defoe would have been happy to get players uh, minutes obviously uh, there were no Batisic so Bassi had an opportunity to, to, to try and impress at left fullback um, we obviously got a, an opportunity to have a look at Lundstrom for the first time uh, Arsenal were, were, were decent you know I know the game finishes 2-2 but Aubameyang had three really good opportunities uh, unlike him not even hit, hitting the target um, I think in the end, Stephen Gerrard was, was very, very happy with the, the exercise. Probably the, the thing that stood out for me, which a lot of Rangers, well, a lot of people in Scotland, I guess, you know, how do you fit Tavernier and Patterson in the same side? Mm -hmm. The second half, um, they were both in the same side. Patterson coming as a right fullback and Tavernier was pushed a, a little bit higher up the field. Joe, and then as you says, like 60 minutes, 65 minutes, you get a lot of substitutions, uh, which obviously changes uh, the match dramatically. Um, no Arebo, no Kent in the squad. So I'm not sure where they're at in terms of fitness and, and, and what have you. But, you know, a, a good day at the office in terms of minutes in the legs. Arsenal looked a little bit um, as if they had a little bit more of a zip about them, if I'm being honest. But Rangers will definitely improve. You mentioned there a, a slight injury concern with Jermaine Defoe oh. in the first half. Um, but 
Stephen Gerrard didn't seem too concerned post-match about that. He still has plenty of attacking options, mm. obviously still pending the, the return of Alfredo Morelos as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the pleasing thing with uh, with Defoe is he walked off. Uh, and I think that's probably why, you know, Stephen hasn't uh, got too excited or, or, or concerned about it. So, look, it might be a, a seven or ten day kind of little strain. But the reality is, is Jermaine Defoe is not going to be the starting uh, striker week in, week out. Yeah. But he's he's a wonderful person to have. And, and being fit and healthy is still important. Itton obviously come on a, a little bit later and, again, gives you a different feel because he's that physical type. But he did start to, to get in behind uh, and he made a positive impact. Yes, they're still waiting on the return of, of Alfredo Morelos. What condition mm -hmm. he turns um, turns up in, uh, for me, is uh, the million-dollar question. Hopefully, he doesn't let himself or the club down. He's been on the back of uh, being fit and healthy and involved in terms of Copa America without maybe get, getting the minutes. But it's important that he comes back ready to, to hit the ground running because he's a very important player for, for Rangers. And we're not far away at all from the start of that season, like we say, nine days. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the, I think the only player that played the full 90 minutes was Alan McGregor. Um, I, I'm interested to, to get your, your feelings on if Alan McGregor has another season playing mm -hmm. at the level that we saw last year. And obviously from start to finish, he was absolutely outstanding. The golden oldie, uh, Alan <laughs> McGregor. Uh, now look, he's... He actually looks in, in fantastic shape. You know, even look at, at, at McGregor in the, in the warm-up and all that sort of stuff. I've, I've been fortunate enough to sit down and, and, and catch up with Alan. He looks in great order. Um, he looks after himself superbly well now. He, he's really, really professional about everything he does. Very detailed and, and meticulous in his preparation. He was excellent last season, as you touched on, Joe. And I have no doubt that he can, he can go again uh, for this full season and continue to, to make big saves for Rangers, which... Although it was a runaway last season, 25, 26 clean sheets, McGregor uh, winning an award for, uh, did he get Players Player of the Year or he got Player of the Year? Mm -hmm. um, it goes to show how important he is. And I do think that he can back it up with the excitement this season of being able to do it in front of fans. Mm -hmm. And he wants to. He's a type of character. He does want to keep going for as long as possible. And, you know, he seems to absolutely love what he does. He, he does. He loves. Um, he loves what he does. He keeps himself to himself, you know. But in terms of um, you know giving uh, the defenders and your team in general that confidence of having a goalkeeper behind you that makes really big saves. You know, we're talking about the difference between what McGregor has done, and, and then we're talking about Barkas at Celtic. Yeah. McGregor makes saves mm -hmm. that keep you in a game. And therefore, you can grow from that. You can go up the park, hit with a counter, and all of a sudden now you're going a goal ahead. That's the importance of having that type of goalkeeper. Uh, I have no doubt that he'll be able to uh, knock out another solid season uh, just because of the way that he does look after himself. And from a, a familiar Rangers face to one that's less familiar, Fashion Sakala, who was mm. on the show last week. Some great chat um, with the, the new Rangers forward. And he seems like such a likeable character. We didn't get a chance to see him on Saturday. Of course, he wasn't involved. It just seemed to come around a little bit too soon for him. But he really seems like a character that the fans will really take to as well. Yeah, well, look, he unfortunately only arrived a couple of days prior to the, to the Arsenal hit out. Um, Kevin Musket. Good teammate, or sorry, good mate, obviously played together at Rangers. Coached briefly in Belgium, says that Fashion Sakala is a very exciting player, very explosive player, can play any uh, of the forward three areas. Um, he's direct and will get by people. Um, and for me, that's very, very important because, you know, there's one thing that is very, very hard as a def former defender uh, to to work against and to stop and prevent is, is players with pace 
that are direct because mm -hmm. they, they, they force you to make decisions to maybe stick a leg out. So they invite fouls, um, which then can lead to, unfortunately, yellow or red cards. Um, but the direct and, and pace for me, and that's really, really yeah. important. He seems to be an exciting player, a good bit of business in terms of a free transfer. Now it's up to the player to, to settle as quickly as possible and try and forge his way into the starting 11 because that's what all players want to do. And it's fairly likely you would imagine that that we would get a look at him this weekend. Rangers, of course, have two friendlies mm. with Brighton on Saturday and, and the and Real Madrid on Sunday. And something that I wanted to bring up was the crowd numbers as well, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um. So we're hearing Celtic will have eighteen and a half thousand for West Ham on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Rangers on the same day, and um, will have eight thousand for that match against Brighton, and that goes up to twelve and a half thousand the next day right. for Real Madrid. So. It seems to be a little bit inconsistent in the numbers, doesn't it? We're trying to get our head around it. Yeah. Um, but good to see it going in a positive direction. Look, first and foremost, it's fantastic that we're starting to get more fans into stadiums. That, that's fantastic because um, it's been such a long time, tough for, for a lot of football clubs. And more importantly, we, we love football. We want to get out and watch it live. In terms of the the way that the, the crowds are varying in, in terms of attendances or, you know, I certainly don't have the experience or understand the the operational side of things. Mm -hmm. You know, is it is it maybe down to in terms of uh, the application process and when that takes place, and therefore decisions are made at different times. Therefore, the, the that's why we're seeing a, a difference uh, in in the crowds. But again, that's not my experience. But as you touched on, Joe, I think the, the 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 most important thing is that we're starting to see fans get the opportunity to come through the doors now and get out there and support their teams. And you can see the difference it makes. Obviously, we've seen that at Celtic Park in that competitive match against Michelin. It just gives the players that that extra little bit, doesn't it? As a player, I would imagine it just it means so much to have them behind you. Yeah, it could be a massive lift. I mean, I know it's, we speak about it all the time. It can be that 12th man, you know, when there's a bit of a, a lull in the game or it's a little bit quiet and all of a sudden, you know, whether it be a nice tackle, whether it be a nice pass and you get the, the support and all of a sudden there's that lift. And mm. kind of seen that the other night uh, at... Uh, Celtic Park as well. Stop start the first half and then all of a sudden there's a bit of positivity from Abada and then all of a sudden there's a lift yeah. and then there's a, a five, ten minute spell where, where where Celtic gets some momentum. That's on the back of good crowd support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and a huge day for Rangers as well will be Flag Day, mm -hmm. um, which we know has now been put back to the 18th of September with the hope that they can have, a, a, well, ideally, I would imagine that they want a full house in at that point with as many people able to witness that moment as possible. Look, that would be amazing if you could have a, a full stadium, obviously, to, to go and celebrate that day with the players and everybody at the football club. It obviously makes a lot of sense to, to push that back to make uh, you know every chance of that being possible. So, yeah, look, I mean, a, a good decision. Um, we want to see full stadiums, you know. We're talking about, you know, at Abrox or Parkhead, but across the board, we want, we want to see full stadiums because... You know, for the people that go along to those games, it's a great atmosphere for the players. They they thrive off of that. And then even even if you're sitting there watching it on the television, it just makes it a far more entertaining product. Mm -hmm. In terms of um, we we mentioned briefly the other friendlies, but as big as sort of friendlies get, Real Madrid is right up there. How exciting yeah. is it to see a team like Real Madrid come to Glasgow this weekend? It's enormous. Uh, you know, again, I think um, shows um, a lot of good work that Rangers are doing off the field. You know, commercially, um, you know, Real Madrid, as you said, it's, it's not a, it's not a small team. Uh, you know, they're a, a club with fantastic history um, that have have always had wonderful players, star players, and uh, that people know 
uh, all over the world. So, so that, to have them here in Glasgow uh, and, and, and to have that, well, it's a final hit out, isn't it, for Rangers prior to uh, the league starting the following weekend. Um, the players will be very excited. I know, you know, when I was younger and you're playing these pre-season tournaments or you're getting the opportunity to play against, a, you know, back in the days at Manchester United and Eric Cantona and the likes and all that. And it's a, it's, it's unbelievable going in yeah. uh, to have that opportunity. So that's how the, the players at Rangers will be feeling now. and They'll be looking forward to not only that game, there's a, there's a double bubble, isn't there? There's a game on Saturday as well against uh, Brighton, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And like it was really interesting for you to say there as well, what the players will take out of it. It's not about the result. Primarily, it's about fitness, like you say, getting minutes and legs. But the experience of going up against, you know, players, it must... Yeah. It, a, lot of, a lot of the guys that will, you know, that you would imagine it'll be rotated quite a lot as well. It's proper dreamland stuff getting to play against the big names. Yeah, and 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 you know it gets that it gets that buzz, um, you know, to go like I says as a player, you, you you're going and you're testing yourself against what you know to be top notch players, um, and I think that that's important because if you can go and match uh, or hold your own or even be the, the the better of your opponent, then you're taking that then into the domestic and the, and the European side of things with a you know, with a lot of confidence, knowing that you can match it. So, look, they're, they're great days. They're great days for everybody. The most important thing is that players, you know, get that final bit of their preparation in terms of the fitness and making sure that they come through the game unscathed. And on that note, taking the confidence in, last week we saw Hibs um, win 2-1 against Arsenal, mm-hmm. which will give them a lot of confidence, like you say, going into tonight's game. They, of course, play in the Europa Conference League. We'll, we'll chat um, after the break about that. Of course, they play FC Santa Coloma of Andorra. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will take a lot of heart from that that 2-1 victory against Arsenal. That was an incredible, albeit pre-season, a fantastic result. Massive result. Again, I know we talk on pre-season, the most important thing is fitness. Mm-hmm. We all love to win football matches. Um, so, you know, Hibs, um, to, to get that 2-1 victory over Arsenal, that's a fantastic result. Uh, yeah, it's pre-season. But again, it's, it's better winning games than losing mm-hmm. them because you can also still start the season being a little bit concerned about form or, or, or what, what have you. But the, Hibs have got a fantastic side, haven't they? There's been a lot of yeah. good performers at Hibs. You know, they've, Jack Ross has done well to keep, you know, the likes of the Porteous... Nisbet, yeah. um, even Boyle, Martin Boyle, because he had an exceptional season uh, as well. So trying to keep that team together. Jack Ross, I have met once when he when he was down at Sunderland. I was highly impressed mm-hmm. by the type of man he was. Um, and he's, he's still continuing, and I think he will continue to do a great job at Hibs. We'll talk a little bit more about Hibs and, of course, Aberdeen after the break, who are both in action this evening after your travel with Chris. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Welcome back to the Go Radio Football Show with me, Joe Hendry, and I'm joined this evening by Craig Moore. We were talking just before the break there that two teams in European action tonight, Hibs take on FC Santa Coloma of Andorra, whilst Aberdeen face Swedish outfit BK Haken, both at home in the UEFA Europa Conference League second qualifying round. Craig, are you are you a fan of this competition? Why not? Bring it on. Bring it on. Now, again, look, as a um, as a player and you, you work so hard throughout a season, I think if you're in the top four, um, mm-hmm. you know, that opportunity to experience uh, European competition. Now, we know there's there's three different levels of mm-hmm. that, the European competitions. Um, look, I, I think it's a good thing. It's always just about in terms, you know, the, the top level, making sure that, that players aren't playing too many games. Yeah. But I, I think, like I said, if you're playing the, the, between the 50 or 60 games, um, that's an amazing season, mm-hmm. uh, and if it's 
involved in Europe, it's even better. So, no, I think all the players, and especially at Hibs and Aberdeen, will be excited by the opportunity. And it's building experience at a different level as well. And Hibs go into this off the back of a, a strong pre-season. We talked about that 2-1 mm. win over Arsenal, which they will take confidence from. Yeah. The fans as well, nearly 5,000 back in Easter Road tonight, which will be a huge bonus for those players when, when they run out and a beautiful night to watch mm. a game of football as well. Yeah, and again, I think the, the these type of games, look, um, you know, to get the 5,000 in, fantastic. Uh, there'll be a great little atmosphere. Uh, you know, Jack Ross um, is a very good manager. He's got some exciting players there. Mm. Uh, and, you know, getting that opportunity to play against European opposition which, as we know, can add value to your to your own playing roster, um, which sometimes head coaches don't like because they lose players. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of the finances and the club business side of things, you know, you look at a Nisbet, there's been a lot of transfer speculation, you know, Martin Boyle and, and, and these kind of players. But, look, um, Hibs are a very entertaining um, team. They play a, a good brand of football, very attacking-minded. Uh, they counter at pace uh, and they're... Coming off the back of a very good result, Joe, as you mentioned, in terms of the pre-season game against Arsenal. So they'll be going into this game full of confidence. You mentioned Nisbet there as one of the, the key players that mm. there's been lots of speculation about. One of them is that that link to Celtic as well. How likely do you think that that is to happen? <sighs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not behind the scenes in terms of... I, I know, Ange, but I don't know who's going to sign. If, mm. Otherwise, I would tell you, I promise. Uh, but <laughs> now, look, I mean, look, Nisbet, normally back in the day, I think I've touched on it before, you know, t players that are performing well outside the old firm normally end up at, at the, the old firm. Yeah. And, and if you're talking you know, two and a half, three million... For, for Nisbet um, up here, um, then he would do well at a Rangers or Celtic. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And potentially he would move on and do bigger be uh, and better things, which would mean that it's good business for Rangers or Celtic because I'll get the benefit further down the line. Mm -hmm. Can he actually go and bypass the old firm and go down south as well? It's a possibility. The, the, yeah. the, the kid has a lot of talent. Talking about Jack Ross, you mentioned him briefly as well. He recently signed that two-year contract extension, which I noticed seemed to get a, a mixed reaction from fans, which which surprised me because he is and has been regarded as one of the best young managers in, in the league. Yeah, again, I, I can only go off, uh, I mean, in terms of the way um, I've seen his teams play, uh, and I think that they play uh, a good brand of football. Um, you know, tactically, he seems... Uh, quite switched on. He's willing to to change things um, to be able to then cause an opponent uh, some problems. And I and I've had the opportunity, like says, to meet Jack when he was when he was down at Sunderland. And I just thought that he he handled himself extremely well. Um, seemed like a genuine good guy. Mm -hmm. um, good guys don't always win. But look, he's a. I think he, I think he's done a great job. But I mean, you're always going to get. Um, a kind of mixed response and, and, and our business is all about performances uh, and winning football matches and if he's doing that then and and I'm sure he does it anyways I don't focus on the outside outside noise mm -hmm. yeah so so important to stay focused on on what the task at hand is and as I'm sure Aberdeen will be this evening mm. under Stephen Glass mm. which will be a good test for Stephen Glass for, for what is essentially a, a new look Aberdeen side yeah, very much so. Uh, and again, you know, I kind of know of Stephen Glass. I uh, played against him many, many years ago. He, he's come uh, into a job where he has no head coach experience. That's not to say that he can't go on and be a wonderful head coach. Um, so, you know, he's, he's worked in the US, obviously, prior to this. Um, he's going to assemble a squad that, again, you know, probably takes 
a couple of windows, Joe, to, to, to get right and, and, and therefore to say this is my team uh, and now I'm, I'm, I'm 100% responsible for what it looks like. Uh, yeah, Scott Brown will be huge. Obviously, you would think uh, in terms of within that, that dressing room on the, on the field when he's playing, he's not going to play every single game, but he'd be very, very important. Was he made the team captain and, and Lewis the club captain or was it the uh, yeah. other way around? No, exactly. So Scott Brown will now be the, the team captain and, and Joe Lewis at that club level. And you can understand exactly why Stephen Glass is going to want to use those leadership skills from Scott Brown on the pitch. Again, you you, you would be mad not to tap into that. Um, the amount of success Scott Brown has, has had at, at Celtic um, was was unbelievable. He is a winner um, and he's, he's somebody that... Uh, can quite easily get under the skin of your opponent uh, as well. Uh, and I think also, you know, in terms of um, the on-field battles, um, they're important as well. But like I said, I think that he will uh, be very important for Aberdeen in terms of, you know, steering the ship, guiding the younger players that are still sort of like making that, that step. You know, I'm looking at even someone like a, a Lewis Ferguson who probably struggled a little bit, if I'm honest, last season. But we know he's got unbelievable quality. Scott Brown could be a player that could really help Lewis Ferguson, yeah. kick on to that next level. He is the type of player that, you know, young. He, he's used to taking younger players under his wing and actually trying to push them on to the next level in their game and quite influential in that way, which is is a massive, massive benefit for Aberdeen. Again, like I said, I've, I've not met Scott Scott Brown, you know. Like I think everyone sees um, and kind of forms an opinion of what they see on the field. But, you know, I've, I've heard him speak, obviously, you know, through Go Radio and, and other outlets. And, and I, I feel as if he always... Uh, handles himself extremely well. He um, he was very supportive even last year at Celtic when he wasn't involved about the Sotos and the Turnbulls that were coming through. So you're talking about mentoring and guiding these younger players uh, and trying to to instill that uh, that mentality, that winning mentality. And it's so important at, at any football club. Obviously, the the stronger the football club and the more su- success you get, the stronger mentality you need. But um, Aberdeen uh, are certainly a team that have been steady for many, many years. Derek McInnes done a wonderful job. But now Stephen Glass will be looking to try and take that to the next level and start and start winning trophies again. Mm-hmm. And in terms of their game tonight, Hacking are 12 games into their league campaign. That's always hard to come up against, <laughs> isn't it, when, when you're still in pre-season, essentially? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the, the fitness is obviously going to be with your opponent. But uh, again, um, you know, Stephen Glass, I'm sure, will have his team fit enough without the 12 matches, um, you know, sometimes that can work in your favour in terms of that that energy, um, that enthusiasm uh, for that game that's coming, you know, a lot earlier for you. Uh, and it's important that you start well. When you're at home, that, that uh, you know, the intensity, um, the purpose in terms of, you know, getting nice and close and being competitive, try not to let the, the opponent settle. Let's, you know, really take advantage of being at home. And then if you get, you know, goals change games. If you can do that, settle into the game and get your goal, 12 games or not, you've still got a great opportunity to go on and do the business. Yeah. You mentioned the importance of that leadership as well in Aberdeen that, that Scott Brown will yeah. take. Obviously, that that left a gap at Celtic that we now know Callum McGregor yeah. has filled. Yeah. What was your, your reaction to, to McGregor getting that role in, in terms of his leadership and how long he's obviously come through the academy as well at Celtic? He knows the club inside out. Yeah, well, I think um, it's a it's the right choice. Uh, you know, McGregor for me has uh, is is a wonderful player for Celtic. He, um, he he's involved all the time. He gives everything. He's he's certainly uh, not Scott Brown in terms of personality, 
but he leads in, in a different way. Um, he seems as if he's a fantastic professional, always looking to do the right things. Uh, and like I said, he's, he's always making himself available, which, which is so important. I think on the back of doing all of that, people were saying, well, maybe he needs a rest there because mm-hmm. he's been used that much. But especially with Aya going, for me, there was two candidates. It was, it was Aya who there was obviously the talk of going, which we know he, he has done now. McGregor's the right choice, you know. And again, uh, the game, uh, you know, during the week there, when, when there needed to be that lift or a little bit of drive, it's McGregor that's driving mm-hmm. and trying to make things happen and, you know, unfortunately hit the crossbar. Maybe he could have played Turnbull in on, on the odd occasion, but he's putting himself in those situations and willing to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And they are two very different types of characters, like you mentioned as well, in terms of, and you will have played with captains in your time. What what would you see are the sort of the key attributes that make, mm-hmm. you know, in your experience as well, a really outstanding captain? Uh, is to lead by example, uh, and that's... That's not necessarily what you uh, only see come Saturday. It's mm-hmm. on the training ground. Uh, it, it's in, it's how you um, handle yourself on and off the field. It, it's about earning that trust and and respect of that full dressing room. That's that's what good good captains. Um, they they have people wanting to to. It's like a good coach. You want to you want to you want to do so much more for that captain because yeah. you got you got that that real belief in him, that trust in him, mm-hmm. that respect. Um, and again, it can come in different ways, Joe. Like I says, I mean, sometimes it's it's a player that's it's in the thick of the action, and uh, you know, the Scott Brown and, and and vocal and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Other times, it's just people that just go about their business quietly, and it's more by what they do rather yeah. than the noise that they make. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, actually, a few weeks ago, we we seen. Hearts appoint Craig Gordon as captain yeah. and, and goals, which, you know, obviously you've got Cal McGregor and Scott Brown, other captains who are in the middle of the pitch. Mm. Uh, you know, a, a captain behind. How, how do you feel about that in terms of... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of a goalkeeper being a, a captain, but at the same time, Craig Gordon uh, is a wonderful goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still going at the, at the highest level. You know, he's involved at the Euros and... Um, not saying that he's the wrong choice, mm. just in terms of the the maybe that 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 impact or effect, uh, you know, during that game, I I always preferred that the captain was someone that was was out in that in the middle of the field because sometimes as well it's it's people don't like to to hear it but it's it's being in the ear of the the referee and influencing at times the the referee, mm-hmm. uh, a bit hard to do that as a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that goalkeeping you talked about earlier in terms of Alan McGregor having a strong voice when you're a defender. Mm-hmm behind you. When we look at the Michelin game and, and we've seen um, Dean Murray come into the fold when their beat on uh, went off and, mm. and he obviously partnered Stephen Welsh there in the middle. How, I mean, they've done fantastically well as a partnership there, didn't they? Two, two young boys, um, but played like men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stephen Welsh, to be fair, loves a tackle. Mm-hmm. Very, very competitive. Um, but he's, I, I really like him. You know, I think, I think he's got a Big future, but then when you see um, Dane Dane Murray come on, eighteen years of age, I think eighteen, mm-hmm. nineteen years of age, he come on like he's played twenty first team games. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't look phased at all. Yeah. Okay, he played uh, maybe you know second half a little bit deeper into second half, a couple of straight passes, forgot about it immediately, um, and that that is on the back of Joe. Like he says, I mean McGregor gives the Rangers defence so much confidence because he's assured he makes a big saves. Yeah. These two young kids come in front of a goalkeeper, they're probably, there's not a lot of confidence mm-hmm. within that back line in terms of, you know, what's been happening there. Um, so their, their performances were absolutely uh, enormous, I thought. 
And in terms of where else, you know, we, we've talked about the number of, of, of signings that Celtic need to make. We know it's a rebuild. For you, I know you're you're fairly set on, on them needing a right back for sure. Look, I think, um, you know, the, the Ralston there, uh, I, I think it's an area that definitely uh, Celtic will look to, to strengthen. Um, so, yeah, definitely an area. And then it just depends, obviously, what happens in the in the attacking area. I mean, obviously, a lot of talk about uh, Edward, um, you know, possibly a little bit later in the in the transfer window. Um, we touched on, obviously, the Japanese player who was leading goal scorer in the J-League who will come and do a fantastic job. Technically, will be fantastic. Great goal scorer. Um, but whether or not Celtic then look to add to that mm-hmm. uh, later on in the window, that might be a possibility as well. And just quickly, one uh, final bit of transfer, transfer speculation is around Joey Veerman to Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um I know that has been on the cards. It's been talked about for a while now. Um, someone that you're attracted to in terms of what they can bring? Again, I've spoken to the likes of, uh, you know, Mikey Moles and, and Arthur Newman about this player. Um, very tidy, very tidy. Into I think, you know, that Steve Davis type of player, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that's really, really comfortable on the ball, can make that pass, that can break a line and, and, and be influential. But at the same time, he's also... Um, somebody that can build a game uh, and be nice and tidy and, and keep the ball and keep momentum and keep a team moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's about us. That's about it from us this evening. I should say, Joe Kildee is waiting in the wings. Rob McLean and Richard Foster will be back tomorrow night from five. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.